everybody, it's Extra Rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis along with Ray Longo on a fine Wednesday edition of what should be your favorite mixed martial arts related program. If we're not yet, I don't know what more we have to do. I mean, you know, coming off a, a great weekend, Ray. I mean, I think we're good enough. We got a lot of content, but I think we're good enough to be everyone's favorite. <laughs> we're trying. They got to give us at least an A plus for trying, TJ. That's right. That's right. You know, we grade on a curve here, and our effort's pretty damn good. So uh, you give it to us. Uh, live on uh, Facebook today, as well as Twitch. If you have a question for Ray, uh, drop your question uh, in the chat, and we'll try to get it on and uh, talk about everything uh, that we uh, need to. And uh, if we forget anything, you can remind us, keep us uh, on track here today. We would appreciate it. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, UFC 264 over the weekend. The celebrities were out in force. Steve-O in the house. Uh, Steve-O going to be on the program today before uh, I get out of here. But, of course, it was all about Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. And, and Ray, what can you say uh, about this fight? Because it it ends in in the oddest of ways. Uh, Obviously, not the ending that really anybody uh, wanted. But when you look at, you know, what unfolded, it was, I don't want to say um, apropos because, again, no one wanted it to end that way, but we're, we're sort of on this cliffhanger. Like, will we get a fourth chapter? Will we get another installment? What are your thoughts? I mean, you know, Dustin is able to win the fight, but Connor breaks his leg. There's plausible deniability on the part of uh, Connor McGregor, who believes he was going to get back in that fight in round number two. Is, is that enough to make it happen again? No. <laughs> I mean, I like I look, the honesty, I Ray. Clear. I like the honesty. Yeah, I think it was clear that Dustin was going to win that fight. I mean, obviously, you know, kind of, he knows how to sell a fight. But, uh, you know, not for nothing, too. In, in retrospect, now looking back on it, we know that that Dustin even, he directed that foot into his elbow. So right. power to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like it was a fluke. He It looked like it was intentional. That's part of the game. You know what I mean? You throw a punch, the guy puts his head down, he breaks his hand. Uh, it's all part of the game, you know what I mean? But I think uh, we saw the changes that uh, McGregor made. He came out more karate-oriented instead of boxing heavy. He threw some kicks, but it just wasn't enough. The first time he got touched up by Dustin Poirier, he went right to the clinch. The same thing when uh, Nate Diaz hit him, and he went for the takedown. So that's the first adjustment he has to make. And then he, you know, he went to the clinch. They got on the cage. He jumps for a guillotine. Uh little weird, but they said they were working on that, but it's hard to buy that. But, uh, you know, to think you were going to submit Dustin Poirier, you know, I, I don't know. I just was a little. So I don't think I thought it was pretty clear that that was a 10-8 round. And it uh, looks like, you know, Dustin made the adjustments to his kicking style, and it was going to be the same thing. Will they do a fourth fight? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, obviously, uh, McGregor could sell anything. I think he started, obviously, selling the fight. But, I mean, the things that concern me, and, I, you know, like, uh, I, I don't want to take, first of all, you know what happens? We all end up talking about McGregor right, right. after the fight. I know. And it does, it does go. Dustin, look, he's he's matured into a great fighter. I mean, he, just look at his resume is is phenomenal. But, you know, it, it, it's funny. It gets overlooked. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the good guys don't get the – praise that they should i mean this kid is a class act at this point and mcgregor who i always admired for being humble in defeat yeah and being look it's just man he's off the i mean it where was that stuff. guy this time he wasn't he, there no he went he was off the rails he was off the rails i yeah. mean even 
What, what why, is, Ray? Was, why do you think? What, do you think he was off the rails because of the severity of the injury? Do you think it was a a flood of hormones, like John Cavanaugh was suggesting? Nope. Why would it be? He was acting like a crazy person before the fight. He reverted back to that guy. Right. And then I think in his head, he really thought he was going to win that fight, and now he's facing another loss. And and I and I get it. And I feel I feel bad for Cavanaugh because you know I've been in the similar positions, and I'm sure the camp went good, but. Uh, I don't think he's ever beaten this guy. How has he beat him? Yeah, I mean, the path to victory is definitely hard. Yeah, I mean, for my money, I've I've said this repeatedly, I'm worried about Connor on the floor. What we saw against Mendez, there were a lot of things that went into yeah. that fight, you know, that, that allowed Connor to weather that storm and get back up. The way that Dustin was handling him on the floor, the adjustments that Connor's going to need to make to beat Dustin are going to be tremendous. And not to mention, he's going to have to come back from a, a pretty rough injury. Dustin's obviously got things that he needs to take care of he's got a title fight coming up against uh, Oliveira but uh, I, I think Connor's going to have to come back and prove that he deserves a, a, a fight against Dustin and maybe that's a fight with Nate Diaz I don't know but uh, we'll see what happens I, I don't think we see Dustin and Connor next for Connor I think we're gonna have to see a road to that fight again in the future TJ unfortunately it's the old saying money talks and bullshit walks I mean when you got McGregor star power and you could sell almost close to two million pay per view, he, nobody else can do that. Right. I mean, you hope some of that shine wears off though and is put on Dustin from this performance. I, I know it's not always it's the really, way it works. It's not really right because you know even when I did the Anik Florian podcast, you get caught up in talking about McGregor. So you, I think people took it as like we're not giving Dustin praise. No, we just. Got caught up because of the guy, you know, went he right. went ape shit after the fight, and we we addressed that. Uh, but by no means, I do think it was a ten eight round. Uh, I wouldn't argue with that, you know. Uh, I, I'm with you. I had ten eight. You know what I mean? And look, he he came out kicking oriented this time. Now he broke his leg, so maybe he doesn't kick as much next time, and he's got to go back to look. I I just think Dustin has his number boxing. And and McGregor can fight. It's nothing. Look, he's a tough guy, man. He went out on that stretcher. He was either jacked up on something, or he's just a he's a he's a bad he's a badass, man. He went out on that stretcher, screaming and laughing, and still promoting a fight. He's nuts. He was he was out of control that night. But he was out. Of, he tried to kick him at the weigh-in. So why would we think it was a rush of hormones? Right. That act like that. He was acting like that the whole fucking week. You're right. The rush of hormones that they started. They started on Wednesday. Yeah. It's just you know. I just hope people embrace Dustin for the great ambassador to MMA that he is. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Not much more to say. He's Ray Longo. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds here on UFC Fight Pass, live on Twitch and Facebook. And I believe we've got our first Twitch question of the day. Uh, we see it from Nick Calhoun222. Uh, he says, who's the greatest of all time? Well, I mean, Ray Longo is the greatest of all time. Next question. We're talking fighter or coach? I don't know. I mean, both, Ray. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you saw it. You were my head coach for my, uh, you know, mock U.S. Olympic team in MMA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't even get the comment. Thank you very much for that. I mean, it's a no-brainer in my eyes. I mean, you're going to bring home the gold for the USA. Thank you very much. Well, patriot patriotism, I'm right there, too. Let me tell you. you uh, I won't be turning my back on that flag. I can guarantee you that. Uh, the greatest of all time. And there's a lot of good guys. I mean, it's hard to argue GSP. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, Khabib's got to be there, right? Like, you can't go undefeated like he did in I the toughest division. Go, I'm going to go with Khabib because he was undefeated, and I think he walked away at the right. I mean, for a lot of reasons. I think he, I think he stands for the right stuff. He still his interview was phenomenal the other day. I, I like him, but GSP's a sweetheart too. I go right. GSP and Khabib. I, I give him a tie. I like it. I like that tie. They should fight each other, or maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. At this point, I don't like it. No, like I'm with you. I, I was, I was, I was I, all I, about it at first, but now that we've gone this far and there's been some teases, I found myself rooting against a Khabib comeback every single time they were alluding to it. So I'm with you, Ray. We'll yeah, I, I, I just like to see guys fight each other in their prime. You right. know what I mean? That's, uh, I think that's always great. And when that can happen, I think that's when you get the true essence of who these guys are. But. Time. The clock's ticking, man. I don't like it at this point. Right. Now I'm with you. Let's go back to UFC 264 as we recap. There was a lot to, of other action despite just the main event grabbing all the headlines. You see Conor McGregor getting wheeled out on that stretcher and again still still playing that character if it is a character at this point. I'm not exactly sure. But our co-main saw Gilbert Burns take on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. This was a, a fun fight on paper. Stylistically Wonderboy causes a, a lot of problems for a lot of uh, fights uh, I thought that this fight uh, was 29-28 across the board. Uh, the judges saw it the same way. Your thoughts on the performance uh, turned in by Dorino, Gilbert Burns, Ray? Yeah, look, man. You know, most guys. Uh, you know, Thompson, Wonderboy can. You know, he can keep you at the end of uh, at the end of his punches and kicks, and you become kind of like a deer in headlights. And I think at times Burns got caught in that, but he was able to pull the trigger and shoot, and he was able to get the, that fight to the floor way easier than I thought. And I know on the floor he's a monster. I just didn't know if he could get it there. But uh, he certainly did not want him to fight. I, th I think you saw a clear difference in the stand-up. You know, he got hurt a couple of times, but he did weather the storm, and he was willing to uh, take some risks, and I think it paid off for him. So hats off to, uh, to Gilbert Burns. Where does he go from here now, Ray? Because, you know, obviously he had the title fight against Kamara Usman. You know, he, he got on the mic and called out, uh, you know, everyone from, from Masvidal to, to Nate Diaz. Was this performance enough to get people talking about a potential title fight again for Gilbert Burns? No, I don't believe so. But I think Gilbert, I think he's an exciting fighter. The UFC should pay him a decent amount of money and just, you know, make those great matchups. And, you know, I don't think he's going to see that title shot for a while so i just hope he's getting paid the right amount of money and uh match him up with everybody else there's a lot of great fights for him but the title shot i don't think that you know he earned that that with with that victory yeah no i i think that there's probably a bit more work to be done but that's the question too like can it be done can gilbert burns get enough buzz behind him to where he gets another title fight or is he just going to be stuck in this sort of you know number one contender but not number one contender type of status because right. of the way that he lost to usman you know so it's it's, it's a very difficult spot to be in yeah i mean look covington uh kobe's fight was way closer right so right. that was a fight i think kobe should have got the rematch really a lot sooner but man burns against masvidal who wouldn't want to see that fight right so there's a lot of great fights for him to have and uh i think that's the route he's going to go and then if, if something happens in the title shot and he could jump in there perfect but if not i, I think it's going to be hard for him to work his way up there uh only because of the way he lost the first fight you know right. if it was a close fight it went five rounds it was a little back and forth even though his was but i i, th I think that's going to be a stretch We'll see what happens. And, I, and, and I, going and listening to Dana's comments, 
I'm not even, uh, a, a big stretch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see what happens. A little more work uh, left to be done for Dorino if he wants to get back in there uh, for a uh, title shot. Let's go back to the uh, Twitch questions here. Another one uh, coming in on extra rounds. This from Arlador. I think that's how you say it. Uh, what has Aljo been improving on uh, in the lead-up to the Peter Jan rematch? What are some weaknesses you've identified uh, in Jan? Obviously, you're going to play it a little bit closer to the vest, Ray, but your thoughts uh, on uh, everything leading up to this this rematch for Aljo? Listen, I thought, you know, there were spots in that first fight that, you know, if he could have been consistent with what he was doing, he, he's got a, a way to victory for sure. You know what I mean? Conditioning, obviously, was what did him in. Uh, so I think that's the first thing he's going to correct. And, uh, you know, look, he, I, you know, I saw him maybe a week ago, two weeks ago. He, he's, he's a new person. He's, he feels great. Uh, he wishes he'd done the surgery sooner. So, uh, you know, for me as a coach, conditioning would be the number one priority. I mean, I think he, he showed that there were things that he could do in that fight that Peter Jan wasn't really responding to that well. And, uh, you know, I think that's where we're going to go with that. I'm curious in your mind if the belt has changed Aljo in any way. Not, you know, for the, the worst, but for the better. And I know he didn't capture the belt the way that he wanted to. But when you are a champion, your name's etched in those history books forever. Like, do, do you feel this has elevated any any sort of Aljo? Or has this put a chip on his shoulder maybe a bit more to, to prove that he truly is the best bantamweight in the world? I think it put a chip on his shoulder. And I think... Uh, I, I think that's what I, I hope is going to be the motivation. I think he it did put a chip on it. Look, the guy got shredded. He still gets shredded. You can't even mention his name. Like 10,000, you know, Russian guys are going to just get on the Internet and hack into your computer and go crazy. But uh, but let me just say, I'm, I'm looking at this, too. What are some of the weaknesses you've identified? Jan? I mean, but for me, he's, he's very linear, right? We know mm. what he's going to do. But. Being, be, being that said, he's fucking great at what he does. He hits hard, and he's willing to take a punch to give a punch. And, uh, you know, you see even you know even with the takedowns, he wasn't uh, – that didn't go the way Aljo thought it was going to go in his head. So you got to give him credit for that. So I just think the fact that he's linear, you always know where he is, I think is, is, is great for a guy like Aljo, who you could see when he was moving and piecing him up, you know, going left and right was, uh, was – uh, looks like the way to go. All right, let's get back into our UFC 264 coverage as we saw a heavyweight bout between Tai Tuivasa and Greg Hardy. Um, you know, looking at Greg Hardy, this is probably the biggest opportunity. Not probably. It was the biggest opportunity of his career being on this stage against uh, Bam Bam tied to Ivasa. And, uh, you know, Hardy definitely had uh, to Ivasa hurt and he went in for the kill. But uh, we, we saw that durability and toughness of Ty on display. And when he countered and fired back, he did not miss. Uh, Ray, your thoughts on this heavyweight banger? Yeah, look, I, I, I picked Hardy to win this fight. I was wrong, but, I, but with that being said, I said my thing was I, I, I titled this fight the firstest with the mostest is the bestest, right? Right, yeah. Whoever hit, you know, whoever landed that big shot first, and that's kind of what happened. Look, Hardy made a rookie mistake. He kind of rocked him a little bit. He ran in. He missed with a left hook. He was out of position, which you should never do. He had to, he had to get back to the other side by weaving his way back, or he had to just bail the fuck out of there. And he just stood there completely. Out. He got hit with a punch you didn't even see coming because he no. wasn't even 
looking in that direction. Yeah. So it was almost like you're having a beer and a guy takes a punch at you in the head. You're going down. And right. he went down. And I think he'll learn from that. But, uh, again, it looks like uh, Dana wasn't happy with that. And we'll see what happens. But I think that's an easy I think that's an easy one to correct. And he certainly was looking good. He should have just, you know, kept his range and stayed focused. And uh, he would have been he would have been fine in that fight. I think there's something to be said, too, for, again, Greg Hardy is, is learning on the job. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard to continue your evolution in front of a worldwide audience, you know, in the UFC. And that that's really the first time Greg Hardy has had the opportunity on that stage to run in and try to put in the, the finishing touches. And obviously there's some more finer points to be learned when trying to do so. Yeah, look, this this game, you know, it's, it's always evolving. But I think they did a great job with him. I think it's hard to it's hard to do what they did with him. It really is take a guy from another sport, and uh, I think they they did pretty good, man. He looks pretty good, but this was a hundred percent a rookie mistake that uh, should have never happened, and I think he'll correct it. You mentioned having a beer, of course. You know, it's tradition oh. now with Tai Tuivasa to do the shoey. Yeah. And uh, I'm guessing you probably didn't see much of uh, extra rounds on on Saturday night. You probably had to go to bed. I didn't even. I'm sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's okay, Ray. We're we're not mad at you. Listen, I had my father-in-law's 90th birthday party, so I was watching on my phone a lot of the fights, and then I barely made it home for like 10:20. So right, it's uh, it's amazing what you got to do as a fight fan sometimes, right? Even if it's the biggest fight card of the year, you know. Yeah, do things like that. Ninetieth uh, birthday party, though. You only get one of those, and that's a big one. So, uh, and a lot of people don't get one of those. So, you did the right thing. But uh, Pearl Gonzalez did the right thing on extra rounds. Let me uh, play the uh, Are we doing highlight here, here yeah, for you. Because what we got? What we got going on? Let me uh, turn this down a little bit, right? But Pearl wanted to uh, take part in the whole shoey thing, and of course, she wasn't going to drink it out of my shoe. Look at this thing. This looks like it's made to drink something out of. It's clear. It looks like a plastic uh, glass sort of uh, device. That's yeah, not even a shoe. That is a glass, I think. No, I, that's what I'm saying. But uh, you know, it's it's not. It it was uh it was we call we call that a Healy. Did she just uh, smell that shoe? She's she did. Awesome. She said she said it smelled amazing. Which wow. I mean, I would not drink a uh, I would not drink anything out of my own shoe for the record. Look at Pearl taking one for the team, trying yeah. to get some ratings. You know, she uh, she does what's uh, good for the business. She's not yeah. afraid. And uh, we had Chase Hooper with us, who uh, has never drank any alcohol, so we weren't going to put him to the test for a, a shoey. <laughs> you should have got him drunk. That's he, awesome. He, he had the brilliant idea of actually trying to uh, auction off the other uh, shoe to have someone drink out of it, because there's probably a market. There she is. That's actually, she's fun. She's the best. I mean, unbelievable stuff. When in Rome, they say, right? Yeah, that's awesome, man. You guys had a great time with that. Oh, uh, it was unbelievable time out there in Vegas. It was it was great. I mean, she was, uh, we, we did a show on uh, Thursday like we normally do, Ray, and she was making uh, these concoctions with Howler Head because it was, you know, a Howler Head viewing party. Like, she was mixing everything up. Pearl, Pearl's a lot of fun, man. But I got to tell you, man, I'm a lightweight. I I, I swear, I think I sniffed that howl ahead. You'd, I'd be passing out. That's funny. Good well, for Pearl. Allow me to say that Pearl was going hard all week long. She was staying out late. She was meeting fans. Like, it was fun. We had people coming up to the booth, wanted to take a photo with her. I got so used to it. One guy came up and said, I want to take a photo with you, TJ. And I was like, why? It's very, very... <laughs> 
<laughs> odd. No one ever says that, but uh, yeah, we got to meet a, a bunch of people out there, and it it was a lot yep. of fun. Um, let's right. go back to uh, our recap of UFC 264. We alluded to this at the beginning. Yannick Kunitskaya, the former Invicta FC champion, taking on the former Invicta FC title challenger in Irene Aldana. You look at Aldana, and people are very complimentary of her boxing ability, but this is the performance of her career in that standpoint. When you look at Aldana and you talk about her boxing you're going to remember the Yana Kunitskaya fight for good reason. This is everything she needed to do to convince the world that she's got some serious, serious power. No, she's got uh, bricks in the hands, and she's uh, she's bringing that Mexican heritage with her. I tell you, she's good, and she can throw. I mean, and that's one thing too. We you know talk about the uh, the fighting pride of of Mexico, and you know Brandon Moreno, uh, you know capturing that uh, UFC gold, the first Mexican born fighter to do it. I don't know if Irene Aldana is going to be a UFC champion. She's in the you know one of the toughest divisions to do so with Amanda Nunes uh, being the queen of that class. But Irene Aldana is going to go down as one of the all time great mixed martial artists from Mexico, and for good reason. She's just really finally coming into her own as someone who's sort of been, you know, on the outer edges of that, you know, top of the division, uh, she's knocking on that door, Ray, and she's not going to go away until she gets her shot. No, listen, man, she's a handful for anybody. If you're going to stand there and trade with her, I think uh, anything can happen. So even with Amanda, who's probably uh, the greatest female fighter I've seen, I mean, she's phenomenal. Uh, She's going to have to be a little careful, and obviously I think her game plan would be different. Uh, with her, but uh, this kid can this kid can hit. And she gets it. You know what I mean. So, uh, not not wise to really stay in the pocket with her for too long. No, no. Number four beating number five. Uh, again, a testament to Irene Aldana and her potential at 135 pounds. We'll see what is next for her. She's uh, making all the noise she can, as she obviously wants to uh, climb the ranks and get a uh, title fight. Uh, Sean O'Malley taking on uh, Chris Matinho. Looking at Matinho, this guy came in on very short notice. Uh, O'Malley was saying a bunch of names, uh, you know, of, of potential fighters he wanted to fight, and uh, nothing was really made possible with those more known commodities. But uh, they were able to, you know, go to the regional level, go out to the CFFC and get this Chris Matinho kid. And, you know, while it was uh, a, a performance that was memorable for him in the way of heart more than uh, talent, uh, it still goes a long way uh, of knowing what this kid is made of moving forward in the UFC. you got to believe that if he can have this heart time and time again, you don't want to rely on it every time, Ray. But this kid, if he's standing in front of you, he's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, look, man, he's Boston tough, this guy, man. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I would have liked to have let, I wish Herb let him finish the fight. I know a lot has been said, you know, brain damage. But again, I, I said this and I'll say it here again. The Athletic Commission technically should have never let this fight happen. And, you know, he was a, the other guy was a minus 1,000. After the first round, he probably went up to minus 50,000, right? So, I mean, you could have stopped it after. Look, there wasn't anybody after the first round that thought that fight was going to go any different. Nobody. No. You know what I mean? So if you really were out to protect that kid from damage, that fight should have been stopped after the first round. Hey, buddy, little overmatched. Thank you for stepping up. That's it. But, uh, you know, I think uh, that's where when I hear this, you know, we want a level playing field and we want to protect the fighter. You got to prove it, man. You know, I'm from Missouri. Missouri. You got to show me. I don't want to hear about it. I'd rather, you know, 
I'd rather watch you win it and listen to one any day of the week. So I, I think that that that's where I, I draw the line with that. You know what I mean? And obviously he was overmatched, but you know the kid had heart. And if you thirty seconds ago, let him come out with something, right? You know, I mean, he's not. It's not Dooku Kim. Somebody said that was fifteen rounds of just beating. Be you know, uh, O'Malley's good, man. O'Malley's good, you know, and. Uh, I don't know who. Why should why why should that fight have been sanctioned, TJ? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a regulator. I'm not a regulator. I uh, you know I it, I can't remember the last time Ray we've had any fight actually turned down by an athletic commission. I, I really don't. You know I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, well, that, that was my point on the regional level. I've had a hundred turned down that shouldn't have been turned down. That's what that's why I get nutty with this. Right. The fights I tried to make even in the ring of combat that no. No, even Weidman, man, uh, he got turned down five guys. The guy hadn't fought yet. I mean, it's insanity. Really? Oh, without it. I, really? I go that on, is crazy. And, oh, crazy. Never yeah, fought before. And people are like, yeah, we can't make that fight. No. No, no. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, you know, but again, PJ, people are going to do what they want to do. Yeah. They're going to give you, you know, the rhetoric of this and that. It's just not the way it is, man. They needed a fight. They made that fight. But uh, if you really gave a shit about that kid, that fight should have been stopped after the first round. I, uh, you know, had some feelings about the stoppage. Uh, You know, I definitely didn't have a problem with it when it came. I'm with you. I think it could have and should have came earlier. And I don't put all that blame, though, on on Herb Dean. I I put some of that blame on his corner as well. Definitely not. Uh, Yeah, that's true, too. But, you know, listen, I would like, you know, I would like to ask Herb, what do you think was going to happen to that kid sure. after the first round. Did you think he was coming? O'Malley's good. He's yeah. really good, man. He's uh, well, a sharpshooter, too. That, that's, you know? I mean, that, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, It's not stopping the fight at that point. The yeah. fight should have been stopped. I'm just saying at that point, when you get to that point, you didn't make the decision yet. Uh, another 30 seconds, the kid walks out of, hey, I want the distance. Give right. him something. You, you know what I mean? You, and, you know what like, I thought was funny and ridiculous, Ray? I saw some people actually like being critical of O'Malley for not finishing him like earlier, like, like again, like, I'm sorry. I think he did enough to finish him earlier. I think that fight could have been over at multiple times. So it, it just goes to show you though, there are negatives and detractors from right. every up and coming fighter. And, and if you're going to look at Sean O'Malley and find anything negative to say about his abilities in this fight, I think you're looking for negative things to say because nothing presented itself. Otherwise the TJ, I think he's got the best fakes in the game. I think yeah. his movement is beautiful, but this is not a knock on him. I think the guy's great. Trust me, I really do. But he never went to. He was moving. He was all over the place. He could have probably went in there and finished that fight whenever he wanted to. But he would have had to take a little risk, and he right. wasn't willing to do it. He stayed with what he does great with, and that's fine. It, well, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a criticism on him. But I think he he never he never stayed in the pocket and tried to really finish him. He was sharpshooting him. He, I think he thought he was going to get him out with one punch. At the end of the, you know, like yeah. again, it's like here and there, and it didn't happen. So I don't know. No, no criticism, but he, I don't think he, he could have went after him if he really wanted to put that kid out. But then again, that kid was throwing. He would have risked maybe getting hit a little bit, or you know, maybe O'Malley felt something in the first round that told him, you know, let me just keep it the way I'm doing. I could, I could do this for ten rounds, and that's really what would have happened. I think there was a couple of things with O'Malley's mindset in that. Is one, you know, he too was preparing for a short notice opponent. Well, you know, point. yep. And uh, another thing is, is O'Malley when he's in control, he likes to do that sharpshooter type of 
vibe. You know, he wants to do that sort of walk-off knockout if it presents itself. He did it perfect, but the, the walkout knockout never came, but he did that perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on him calling out Dominic Cruz. He he wants to get that fight, it seems. Uh, I mean, is, is that a good fight for O'Malley? Like, is is that? Do you think? I mean, anybody fighting Dominic Cruz who's an up and comer, it's a good fight for them. If they get the win, they beat one of the all time greats. But it's a great fight for him. I think Dominic articulated his way. He wants to fight up. He doesn't want to fight down. And I think he's earned that right. You know what I mean? He's not a gatekeeper yet. Uh, I don't think anyway. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hats off to O'Malley. I think if he could get that fight, it's great for him, but I don't think, I don't think there's any reason why Dom should take that fight. Yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Like it's, it's, it's it's a big, uh, it's a big step up and showcase for, for Sean O'Malley. If he gets it, the fight to make would be a rematch with, uh, Cheeto Vera. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Cheeto's coming off another win recently. So yeah. All right. That's the fight I'd like to see. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. They should do that, Ray. You should be a matchmaker, Ray. Yeah, well, get me in there. I'm ready to go. There we go. Coming up Saturday <laughs> night. I'd see Marab fight him, too, because right. Rob's got a great chin, and he's relentless with the takedown. So I'd love to see the way that played out. Lightweights will battle this Saturday night inside the Apex as the number 9-ranked Islam Makashev takes on the number 14-ranked uh, Tiago Moises. Uh, this is going to be a fun little lightweight fight uh, to tune into on Saturday night. I always feel bad for these guys that got to go out there and headline a, a show You know, the week after the biggest UFC fight card uh, of the year so far. But it should be a fun fight uh, nonetheless. I I'm curious, Ray, your thoughts on Makashev uh, taking on uh, Tiago Moises. Uh, uh, it's a fun fight. It's it should be good, but but again, they're going to have to live up, uh, you know, to uh, probably an impossible standard when you consider what happened last week and what's coming up uh, this Saturday night. No question about it. Impossible standard is pretty accurate. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this fight. I think uh, Makachev is that Man, the way you pronounce his name? I, I, I guess I, I, I just I, try to say how Anik says it. Makachev. Oh, those guys do their homework, man. Don't they? I, I, unlike myself, who does no homework. But uh, I think he's the next 55-pound champ. He looks like he's on the traje trajectory that you would want from somebody. He's ranked number nine. Uh, I'd like to see him start facing some names. But so far, he looks pretty good. They're doing the right thing with him. They're bringing him up, you know, nicely. They're not yeah. torturing the guy and giving him shitty matchups. So... Uh, this is this is good though. I'm 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 interested in this fight. Really yeah, am. I like it a lot. Um, you know, you, you talk about raising an athlete the right way. Um, you know, when you are, especially in this division, this UFC lightweight division. You know, pound for pound, I think it's the most talented. You have guys with uh, incredible and phenomenal technique, very good power, uh, speed that you know uh, is you know comparable to those of of bantamweights, um, but you know power that is comparable to those of welterweights and, and middleweights. Uh, you know, for my money, 155 is is probably the hardest um, division to really navigate. And like you said, you, to to raise a fighter the right way, I mean. You got to have a couple things go your way. One, you got to go out there and perform and make sure that you can earn those opportunities. But two, you need a good team behind you to ensure that you're not biting off more than you can chew too early because this is a division that if you get broken early on in your career, it's a lot harder to rebuild. Without a doubt. And I like I like I I like to see him fight a Michael Chandler if he gets by uh Moises. I'd love to see that fight. There's a lot of great fights for him. So uh 
after this, I think they're going to really pick it up with him a little bit, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. But I think, uh, man, think of all the great matchups, even uh, Gaethje, uh, Chandler. There's a bunch of killers in that division. So, man, I'm excited for that. Yeah, so no. We'll see how this plays out Saturday. And, and that's a testament, again, to this division as well. You have Khabib walk away, and, you know, we've already talked about Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira and what he's done. This division has not suffered from a quality standpoint by any means with Khabib walking away. And, and, you know, there's not a lot of divisions that operate that way where the champion exits and there's still a, a tremendous amount of intrigue about, you know, the next crop of uh, fighters that are going to vie for that belt. And what about what about this guy against Connor? You know, the hatred that will oh, be. Oh, <laughs> man. Could you imagine? I, I don't even know if they, they'd be allowed to make that fight. I don't. I mean, you want to talk about fights that maybe shouldn't get made for a variety of reasons. You know, maybe maybe that's one that doesn't get made. Intensity that would happen in the octagon for, for that fight. Yeah, that would be something else. That would be something else to say the least. Let's talk about our co-main event coming up on Saturday night. Marion Renault taking on Misha Cupcake Tate. Uh, you know, the former Strike Force and UFC champion Tate returns for the first time in quite a while. Um, I, I think that this is a, a good fight for a variety of reasons, Ray. Um, Renault, you know, she's the, the good type of uh, ranked opponent to welcome a former champion back in in, in Misha Tate. Misha, I mean, a, a lot has changed, you know. Uh, Maybe that's not necessarily the case. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm thinking that a lot has changed. Do you think the Bantamweight division has changed all that much since Misha exited? I mean, it's been Amanda Nunes, and it's been the Amanda Nunes show since she took that belt away from Misha. Like, do, do you feel like this uh, division has developed in ways that it, it's going to be different? Is, is Misha going to find that the talent has gotten significantly better since she last fought in the UFC? No, absolutely not. And I, I, well, I tell you, you know, sometimes when I think Misha's cerebral, I think, again, she's been around. She's been around this sport for a long, long time. Sometimes, and I think this is going to be the case with her, I think we're going to see a really good Misha Tate. I think there's going to be certain things that the break has made her, you know, understand some things that maybe she was having problems with or just, different ways of looking at things and training. I think we're going to see a really good Misha Tate. I, I get a gut feeling on that. Uh, she was always good, but, uh, you know, sometimes you come back with a renewed vigor and, you know, the passion is restored, and I think that's what's happened because I don't think she'd come back otherwise. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think she was busy. She's got kids. But uh, I, this is going to be – I'm excited for this too. I, I think she's going to do a great job on Saturday night. Well, if you remember, she walked away because she wanted to have some other challenges in the MMA space. She's gotten involved in the managing side of things. She, yeah. you know, did things overseas. She's come back. And that that's one thing that I hear from athletes all the time, right? Especially those like Misha that were at the highest level of their division throughout a good chunk of their career. After a while, it just gets to to wear on you and yeah. you know going and doing the hard work in the gym and, and doing the lead up to a fight it just doesn't yeah. become as enjoyable listen to dustin poirier talk about the lead up to a fight like i mean i would love to do a pre-fight interview with dustin poirier but at the same time i'm like man i i know he doesn't like this process this is not something that he really necessarily enjoys and when you're at that level if you can take a step back and walk away and renew that motivation by all means if you get it back Come on back, because I, I don't really think that Misha's skills deteriorated in any way. She ran into some really tough fighters, but, you know, if, if she wasn't mentally on her game, maybe we see a, a vintage Misha take coming up on Saturday night. 
I'm, I get a feeling of that, man. I really do. I think the break is going to have done her great. She's definitely stayed in tune, you know, in touch with MMA. She, like, again, in Singapore, she was working for one. Uh, I think, again, MMA's in the blood. She's been doing this for a long time, so a well-needed break. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see where, where she goes with this. And, and, of course, and again, back to Dustin, man. Like the only guy at this point that could beat Dustin is Dustin, because like again he crosses his eyes, dots. I mean cross, right, cross right. T's, dots <laughs> his eyes, and he's. I think when that stops, when he can't do that, he'll have a problem. But he seems to, his training seems to be spot on, and uh, he's he's been able to maintain himself. So I I don't. We don't see any slowing down in him, but he has been in some wars, so he's got to really keep that training side tight where, uh, you know, prehab, rehab, everything has to be in place. And he looks like the guy that's making those adjustments, and that's why we're seeing the longevity that we're seeing. Yeah, I'm curious. Your thoughts just early on about his, um, you know, style uh, against Charles Oliveira. Like, what do you see uh, that fight looking like? Do you, do you have an early lean one way or the other? I, I, I'd lean towards Dustin. All right. A any yeah, reason I, in particular? Uh, you know, I tell you, the, the problem, I, I, like, again, I, I don't know uh, exactly, but as long as he could keep getting up for fights, and TJ, he's been, he's fought everybody. He's been right. in some fucking crazy fights. But as long as he could keep getting up for those fights, I say he wins that fight. I think uh, he could do a decent job negating the jujitsu on the floor, and I think even though Charles's stand-up looks great, they, look, it's a great fight. But I, I would lean towards Dustin just because, man, he's been in, he's fought everybody, man, and he's got great experience. Again, I, I hope he doesn't become bored with what he's doing. Right. Uh, but I, and he kind of said that I'd walk away, but I'm too good at what I'm doing, and I just hope he can maintain that excitement and make sure that those training camps go the way they do. And I think he wins that fight. I, I think Dustin's humanitarian efforts, too, are something that he's sort of uh, used to really sort of motivate himself and, and, you know, make sure that he's fighting. Yes, obviously for himself, but, you know, it, it's the good fight uh, charity that he's trying to represent and, and support. And when you put them on your shoulders like that, it, I mean, how are you going to take a day off in the gym? How are you not going to push yourself? You're trying to fight to literally make the world a better place. And, you know, that's something very special about uh, Dustin Poirier. And uh, TJ, I agree with you 100%, but that's what concerns me because mm. he's a good dude. He's got a great charity, and yet people are fucking booing this guy. That could that could affect him. Like, what the fuck do I have to do? That's what, look, you listen to his comment, you could lick my asshole. I mean, he, that's how frustrated he was. Like, why would you boo a guy yeah. that stands for the right shit and he's doing a good thing? We're so fucked up. It's, it's incredible, but yeah. I hope that doesn't bother the guy because. You know, sometimes a guy could go, what the fuck do I got to do, man? I'm doing everything. Yeah. Go fuck yourself, and I'm walking away. Right. You never know. Yeah. But, you know, he's made enough money now where that's not going to be, you know, where he has to fight for the money. So that bothers me more than anything, you know, where he gets disgusted with, you know, the outside pressure of, why are you, why are you cheering this guy? Right. I mean, it goes back to John Jones and Daniel Cormier, you know? like Yeah, 100%. Without a doubt. But you see, DC was really able to articulate that on the microphone pretty good, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like you're attacking the guy's wife. Uh, it's bullshit. Like, again, wh who's, beyond, who's behind that? 
You know, certainly not me. I don't no. think you are. I mean, no one. And I think no that's one, a frustrating thing for for Dustin. And I hope it's not. No one in their right mind is going to say that they support that. Honestly, like if you say you support that type of behavior, it's just because you're so blinded by Connor's, you know, star power that you're just speaking illogical. So, yeah. Um, let's go back out to uh, our Twitch line here. Uh, got a question from Barbecue Flavor EDT Mo. I think. Oh no, barbecue flavored Timo. See, the man, I don't know how to read these things, Ray. They're like one gigantic never mind. Uh how does Ray deal with the difficulties of training many fighters? Uh what do you prioritize? That that's a tough question. I've always admired the way coaches like yourself, uh, Ray, can can manage the personalities in the gym and make sure that you are the person that they need to be, not only in the room, but also, you know, inside the octagon in the corner on fight night. Yeah, well, I mean, prioritize goes by the uh, magnitude of the event. I could tell you that. Uh, I get a lot of help from other people. I, I ha- you know, for the first time, I have to really start delegating. Uh, where Because I, I am hands-on. I love to be hands-on. And when I'm not, I don't even think I'm as uh, effective as a coach. But, uh, you know, and again, I'm getting older, so it's getting a little tougher uh, to keep up with everything. But it's the magnitude of the event. Like I could tell you, after this, I'll just be concentrating on Marab and Marlin, you know what I mean? Right. And starting Aljo out, and then we move right to Aljo, but, you know, they'll be trained together, I hope. I don't even know. With everybody moving all over the place, who even knows? But that's the way I would do it. You know, the local guys, it's just it's just coordinating the schedules, and luckily we have Matt where they, you know, sometimes guys will go to Matt so then they can come over here and spar and vice versa, and we, we can mix it up. But I think I get a lot of help from a lot of people. Uh, and it's just uh, the prioritizing is on the magnitude of the event, you know, and then everybody pitches in. Um, yeah, I mean, you're ageless, Ray. It's like, very difficult. You, you say you're getting older, Ray. Like, I don't believe it. When do you turn 50? <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. That's what I'm here. That's in my contract, <laughs> actually. When I get off the couch, you'll see. Right. <laughs> all right. That's all right. Um, like 20 minutes. Hey, you know, like uh, you're old enough to probably have the originals of these shirts that we're selling uh, over on UFC Fight Pass. Digging into the archives, got a Chuck Liddell shirt, uh, Pride Fighting Championship shirt. Uh, It's a partnership between UFC Fight Pass and the UFC store. These are uh, printed in very limited quantities, only available in the U.S. as well while supplies last. So head over to the uh, UFC store right now and get the limited release uh, collection. Ray, do you, do you have like an old school collection of like MMA gear you've uh, managed to, uh, you know, come upon over the years? Uh, I, I, I'm not a guy that throws out a lot of stuff. So I'm going to say, yes, I got some MMA gloves from years ago and like all my school shirts and all the logos that have changed. I always try to keep a shirt or two. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I like that stuff. I like the, uh, I like collecting uh, stuff like that. So yes, I've got to look around. Look around here, see what I got. But uh, oh man, that that would be fun to like do a Ray Longo cribs and just go through some old uh, crates. <laughs> see what we got well, in there. Right, I'm looking at you know. Obviously, I have the poster for Saint Pierre and Matt on one side of a big screen TV, and Weidman Silver on the other side. So we got to get Aljo up there, and uh, that'll complete the trilogy, and I'll be a happy man. That is awesome. Um, I've got an Ultimate Fighter season three shirt that my wife has been trying to throw away for like a decade. Because it's got a okay. hole in it somewhere, like in the armpit, but it just—it's comfortable. I wouldn't throw it away. I have my uh, Ultimate Fighter Six to show that me and Matt did. Yeah. Uh, so I have those shirts, and uh, yeah, I got some good stuff. I have the—I uh, definitely have those shirts. I think Matt's got his in a big, you know, glass uh, display case. Uh, but we made some specialty shirts too that uh, 
I should try to get out again. Yeah, you're making me. Yeah, that's good. I got the shorts. I got the shirt. Yeah, that was great, man. How? What was that? Two thousand seven. Seven, probably. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And then yeah. you know, every so often, I took some. You know, obviously we took the gear from the show. So every so often, I give up. I give them out to people. I, you know, maybe had a big fight and stuff like that. So right. it's pretty cool. That's awesome. My yeah, buddy yeah. was on that season, but he was on the other team. Who was it? Blake Bowman. Oh yeah, yeah. How's he doing? Good, man. Good. Yeah, yeah. He real good. He's having a baby. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Good kid. He, he didn't have much experience on that show, no, right? No, he I never mean, had a pro fight prior to that. He had some amateur he, fights, but oh wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he went on to. Uh, I've run into him a couple of times. Oh, he's very personable. Good dude. Really good yeah. dude. His yeah. his wife fought uh, in Invicta last year, and now she's having a baby, and it's it's crazy oh, wow. business. So yeah. Tell him I, please tell him I said hello. Will do. Let's go back out to the Twitch line here, get another question before we wrap up. Uh, this one uh, from Barbecue Flavored Timo again. Uh, can y'all talk about how Ray's hair is salon quality? <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about anything salon quality, but uh, I agree. Ray's got uh, quite a mop there, and it's looking looking pretty nice. It's getting longer, though, Ray. I mean, we're going to keep up on this, or we're going to end up looking like 2020 longer before 2021 is done? Just got a cut two days ago. No, really? definitely not. Okay, so that's uh, why it looks salon quality. The red light therapy and uh, genetics. Wow. Genetics, I guess. Uh, but thank you for that. I, have, uh, I appreciate the uh, compliment. But I am sitting in front of those red lights, TJ, every day. I'll do anything. I mean, apparently I'm a little late to that party. Uh, I got lucky. I got lucky, I think. I'll yeah. tell you, my father in, at 60 had jet black hair, so that, that's a good deal. Um, I guess that wasn't from barbecue flavored Timo. That was from Soul Brave Musashi. So we want to get that right. Want to make sure that all of our listeners are getting uh, the proper recognition that they uh, deserve. Ray, you deserve all the recognition for making this uh, one of the most successful shows on UFC Fight Pass. Wow, really? I don't know. I just, I just said that. I just made that up, but. I'm going to go with it. You know, you have an ego, you believe everything. That's right. complimentary. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the way it works. Thank you very much, TJ. Appreciate that. No problem, Ray. You you earned it. <laughs> I'm going to let you go and get on out of here. Maybe we can uh, reconnect again soon because we missed you out there in Vegas, Ray. Uh, we I hope to do it again. I to be out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can do it again uh, upcoming. I don't know if you, you heard. It's official. Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz. Oh, man. Who's what? not excited for this? And I think that's a great fight. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I find it funny that there's probably a new crop of fans that see, you know, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler, too, and have no idea that they already fought once before. Yeah, that's that. Uh, you're probably right on that. Isn't that crazy? I mean, when that first that, fight happened, like 2004? That, that was a great fight back then because, man, Robbie Lawler was a stone cold, crazy man killer. Yeah. And, and Nick was, that's the start of Nick Diaz, man. He's just a bad mf -er, man. Right. I love I love Nick. I love his honesty. I love the way he fights. I'm, I'm very excited for this fight, man. It should be great. I mean, that's the fight where Nick started going, Stockton, mf -er. And yeah, Steve yeah, Mazzagata's like, be man. quiet. Don't talk. Do, do we have, were there, there, nobody was putting odds on those fights back then, but I'm sure Robbie was favored to win that fight, Oh, no, right? there, there were odds back then. You just had to look really deep for him. Joey Odessa was doing it. 
Um, I don't know what the odds on with on with that fight were. Yeah, I believe that uh, I'm going off the top of my head here because I remember they used to do these things uh, at the top of the show too. Early um, uh, in those days, uh, they would have Danny Sheridan from USA Today on the broadcast, and uh, he would give the odds. And I think Lawler was something like two and a half to one, three and a half. To that one because he, he was kind of on a skid there. He's coming back uh, after uh, I believe losing to Pete Spratt, where he dislocated his hip. So he was trying to you know get back into uh, the swing of things, and uh, they put him in with some kid from Stockton, and didn't work out very well for Robbie that night. I tell you, one of the realest guys in the business, man. I always love running into him. Him and Nate. I'm happy for their success. They finally got the due that they deserve and uh, hats off. I think he's good. I think I'm, I'm excited to see where that fight goes, man. It's another great fight. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Uh, five rounds coming your way later on uh, this year. Uh, looks like September at uh, UFC 266, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Ray, appreciate the time, sir. We'll talk to you soon, get you back on here, and uh, you'll probably bring Pearl along and catch up and... Uh you know? I think you're, you're keeping Pearl away from me. I think it's. Uh, I feel like we're in school and you're separating us. There may be some truth to that. Okay. I just want to put that out there. You know, I mean, after that massager incident, you know, like. <laughs> Were you told, did the, did the higher brass, did the brass tell you not to have those two on? Together? I thought we were the one-two punch. I mean, being... you are the one-two punch. It's just, I'm, I'm not in that combo. I'm the awkward strike that goes awry in that combo and it makes me feel really uncomfortable. Uh, that's awesome, man. That's not true. We'll, All right, DJ. We'll have you back uh, again. Great night, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Ray. Thank you, sir. Get easy, buddy. See you. He's Ray Longo, always joining us here on Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. We still have plenty to go before we get out of here. Going to be joined by Steve O in just a few moments from right now. So stick around for that. We will uh, talk to him. He was, uh, you know, front and center for UFC 264 on Saturday night. It was a uh, fun show to say the least. And we will talk to Steve about that. And then, uh, yeah, kind of get his thoughts on the fallout from it uh, as well. He's a hardcore MMA fan to say the least. So stick around. Steve-O is next. Plus Chase Hooper. He hit the streets trying to figure out if there's more TJ DeSantis fans or Chase Hooper fans. The answer might surprise you. It's extra rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Hearing that Lee Murray was attached to one of the biggest bank heists in the history of the world, yet not surprised. He was fearless. When we're going to have a fight, my job is to have a level playing field to make sure everything is done by the rules. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters. It's for my country, it's for my family. All the things that have happened to me have happened because of fighting. So, fighting's life. My brother got diagnosed with cancer. He passed away. So now, I want to give the best I can in this life. Ladies and gentlemen, what a phenomenal night of fights. Oh, oh God, what a knockout. Oh, Huge right hand. No other sport could give you this many moments. We're back here on Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis with the great Steve O, who honestly, this is the first time I've ever met Steve, but I feel like he was a part of my crew growing up in high school. I was that plugged into, well, first CKY and then Jackass. Steve O, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it's, it's honestly a pleasure to have you here. Well, thanks, bro. 
I mean, I, I'm serious. Like, I grew up watching you do some of the craziest stuff ever. And, like, part of me, I'm not going to lie, part of me feels like you're similar in uh, uh, the trajectory of, like, a fighter's career who, you know, lived a wild life, had some hard times, came back. Like, you actually remind me a little bit of uh, Charles Oliveira, the UFC's lightweight champion. Maybe it's because sometimes you both wear glasses and you look a little bit alike one another. But I look at Oliveira. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. You know, I look at Oliveira who, you know, a lot of people didn't think was going to rise to the championship success that he had. Uh, some people probably would have said some pretty negative things about you. But in, in the fact that you're doing what you're doing in 2021, that's a championship uh, storyline in itself. Well, thanks, man. I think uh, some people say bad things about everybody. So what are you going to do? But, uh, but yeah, I'm really grateful, man. I appreciate it. No, it's, it, it, it's our weekend. pleasure. This, this past weekend, I think, might have been like the craziest ever. I mean, let's talk about it because when you put together a card like UFC 264 on paper, it's difficult for cards like that to live up to the hype and uh, the sort of expectations. But I don't think that was the case. Maybe the main event ended a little bit anticlimactically for some, but I mean, that the way it ended for me just adds to the wild points of it. Um, watch if I tell you what I really think, Conor McGregor might call me a crackhead again. <laughs> I mean, tell me. Let's be real, Steve. All right. I mean, it seemed like a credible uh, image of the judges' scorecards for um, round one, which which is, of course, the only round there was. Right. Uh, There there was one 10-9 and two 10-8s. I I was on the 10-8 category of of things myself. You know what? I... (laughs) I don't think I actually would have given that a 10-8 because the, the, the guillotine was pretty tight. Sure. There were some elbows coming down, when, or coming up when Connor was on the bottom. Yep. Uh, you know, he did, like, uh, I mean, Dustin, you could see some, some damage on Dustin's face after the fight. He definitely connected. So I think one could argue it wasn't actually a 10-8 round, but there is no argument whatsoever that Dustin didn't really win that round yeah he was dominating there's no doubt about it yeah he was he was dominating so now when you say uh anticlimactic ending um it connor would have been lucky to get out of that first round right without stoppage you you knew what was going to happen so actually the leg break I don't think was anticlimactic. I think what the leg break did was allow for there to be a narrative that Connor had more of a chance than he actually had at all, which gives uh, you know sort of life to the potential of a fourth Connor. Right. Right. And uh, you know nobody ever wants to see an injury, like mm. especially not one like that. You know, you never wish that on anybody, but. When Connor's saying these things about Dustin's wife, when he's like, uh, Dustin uh, said that he was doing something like, he's still saying he was going to kill him, this and that. And yeah. I, I think everybody felt bad for Connor when he, the, they saw the leg break. But I think that largely went out the window with uh, the despicable things that he was saying and doing in the octagon 
you know, after no, the I, I agree with you. Anticlimactic is probably not the, not the right word. I, I, I guess I use that word because it lacked the definition that I think this fight was really going for, for uh, not the definition, definitive end. You know, like you said, it, it gives Connor this extra lease uh, on this rivalry with Poirier when I think, you know, a lot of people like yourself who know stuff about fighting know the way that this fight was likely turning. You know, John Kavanaugh says, oh, wait until we get to the second round. Anything's possible, but it, it was not uh, looking good uh, for Connor. You mentioned his uh, sort of things that he was saying uh, post-fight, you know, get you'll get it in your sleep, going after Dustin's wife again, uh, sliding into the DMs. Like, I understand that it is, you know, part show. You, you have to sell yourself and build things up, but in that moment, I was honestly surprised, Steve, that he was going to that part of his personality. It seemed like it was um, not the right time and honestly uh, a bit shocking. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he was doing that to deal with like the, the trauma and, and shock of his pain. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Why did he go there? I don't know. All I know is that uh, my buddy, I spoke to him today and he said that it um – it reminded him of like the end of a movie where a villain's being defeated and like the last, <laughs> you know, like, right. Last, you know, uh, I mean, I'm going to get you. I'll still get you like that, right, that right, right, cliffhanger. Right. And I mean, I don't know, like it, it, it is what it is. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not inclined to really beat up on a guy when he's down, but I just thought it was uh, a bad look. I thought it was yeah. a bad look, but I think it's great for the UFC that, uh, you know, that there is any kind of narrative that uh, that we get to see him again, you know? That's how I felt about the fight going into it. I mean, honestly, it was so, so funny that Connor called me a crackhead. Like, I loved it. It was an honor. It was an right. honor, and I, and I appropriately milked it. I also loved betting against Connor, and I won my bet. That, that made me pretty happy. I love Dustin. But the, the honest truth is that I would have been happy no matter the outcome because what Connor has done for the sport, what Connor's done for the UFC is undeniable in this absolute craze. The, the Connor McGregor craziness is so much fun that if Connor were to win, I would have been psyched on that too. It, it would have been great for the UFC. It would have been great for everything. It would have been a lot of fun. But also, <laughs> Dustin is such a good guy. He's such yeah. a nicer guy. Like that, uh, I, I, you know, he's just, his humility, his class is, is uh, really, really admirable. You know, uh, Khabib said good always trumps evil. Like, I'm not saying that Conor McGregor is an evil guy, but. Th that narrative, like, it's hard not to feel like Dustin Poirier is truly one of the best human beings on the planet. He's a good guy. He yeah. Really yeah, I spoke with Dustin after the fight, and uh, I said to him, you know what, man? I said to him, I'm so happy for you, and I really hope that, uh, that you can usher in a new era where the stars in the UFC have humility, like, respect, you know? like character good people yeah but but you know you know what he said when i told him he said man i want for everyone in the world to be that yeah and great i mean think about it. like that, that that's a sentiment too that comes from dustin right from his heart you you don't feel like he's saying that to say that like some people will try to say the right things and people see through that nonsense with dustin it seems probably the most genuine i've ever heard in the sport to be honest with you for sure now, when you look at the way the fans react to Dustin compared to Connor, I mean, yeah. 
there are a lot of people that that are booing Dustin Poirier for whatever reason. Like, wh- why do you think that is? That was the consensus in the arena, and I don't think that it's anything to do with, uh, you know, Dustin. I just think that that's the Conor McGregor craziness, like the cult of Conor McGregor. You right. Know, like, whenever you have uh, situations like this, like that, they weren't. They weren't I mean, those boos <clears throat> were essentially just cheers for Conor. You know, if uh, if Dustin was fighting anybody else. There, it, it wouldn't have been that. Yeah. Um, it, it's possible. Uh, I, I do feel like the anti-hero, though, in, in mixed martial arts always seems to to get the, the the cheers. Like John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. It was the same thing. You know, Daniel Cormier is like this uh, legend. He's, a, he's, the, he's the man's man, you know, uh, Olympian, all that. And John Jones does everything sort of the wrong way, yet people were cheering John. Right. Man, I'm trying to think about... Of, uh, yeah, like when um, Zhang Wei Li came out and they were booing Zhang Wei Li and yeah. against Rose. Mm-hmm. Zhang, like I, I found found that pretty despicable. Like Zhang Wei Li is the sweetest. It's interesting because, like, I was talking to John Anik about that, and it seems like every other country, like Brazil, they'll literally chant, "You're going to die." You know, sure. when you're when you're an American fighting a Brazilian, but Americans boo Zhang Wei Li and then they're made to feel guilty about their patriotism. Why do you think that is? Because I see what you're saying. I understand it. But at the same time, like it, it, it I feel like Americans are made to feel uh, bad for chanting USA or, or booing uh, a foreign fighter. Chant USA is great. I, I just like the doing things on the positive side. USA. Right. Say that's like you know that's cool, but when you start, I don't know. I just felt like I, I had a tough time with it, especially. You know. Oh, especially when you get to know these athletes. I think that's a big part of it, too. When you're, you know, just paying for a seat, cheering for your favorite fighter, it doesn't really sort of register who the other fighter is. And, and when you're closer to the situation, it definitely lands different. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're everywhere now, Steve. Like, you're you're all in on this mixed martial arts thing. I mean, you're working your way into the narrative of the biggest fight of the career or, or biggest fight of the year with Conor McGregor. What is what is MMA to you? What is what is so alluring to mixed martial arts for yourself? I don't know, man. You know, there's times uh, when we were in Phoenix, uh, we came into the arena uh, on the the fight pass prelims, mm-hmm. and. There was just like, like uh, I forget what the who the fighters were, but there was just one guy got hurt and the other dude was chasing him down. The whole arena went crazy, and I remember thinking like it was so coliseum esque. Yeah, you know? like it just felt like a gladiator being fed to a lion, and like. I, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, I mean, and that's what's all. I mean, Dana always says that, you know, if a fight breaks out at any other sporting event, you're going to pay attention to the fight because it's that primal sort of thing. But at the same time, we get to know these athletes and, and know who they are. So not only do you feel for the gladiator that's getting fed to the lion, you kind of feel for the lion as well because you, you know both sides of it. Right. I mean, distinctly, there have been times while watching fights that I thought to myself, what's wrong with me? Really? <laughs> like, really? Yeah, like what's wrong with me that I so I take so much pleasure in in this, you know? And I think that the answer is that there's nothing wrong. It's just there's something inherently primally compelling 
about combat, you know, yeah. and car- carnage in general. Sure. I think when, there, when there's a car accident in the road, I think grandma's cause as much traffic slowing down to get a look, you know, right. anybody yeah. else. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just something really like, I don't know, like something just instinctual, something primal that, that that's compelling about it. And uh, I just love it, man. I love it so much. I mean, I, I love the fact that I've watched you shove a fish, fish hook through your cheek. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you were thinking, "What's wrong with me?" When you were doing that, but fighting makes you think, hey, what, "What's wrong with me?" But I promise you, Steve, there's nothing wrong with you. That's that's very normal. Yeah, we're good, man. What, what what's what's it like hanging out with with Dana White and, and being close with him? Because Dana is is I mean, he's a he's a star in an enigma all into himself. Oh my God, he's absolutely the the greatest promoter of all time i mean safe to say I, in my book you know like who, who do you have in the greatest promoters of all time like i mean to me it, it's dana white and vince mcmahon and i know that people I, are going to hate on that because vince is is you know sports entertainment but the way that vince has been able to make people care and, and pack the pontiac silverdome back in 1987 and, and what dana's done all over the world i think they're they're on the same playing field right I, mean, I was going to like P.T. Barnum and Houdini. Sure. And uh, and and I, I I put Dana White at the top of the Evil Knievel was a good one too. <laughs> yeah. No. One hundred percent. It's funny because I think a lot of people like to, you know, purists like myself when we look at mixed martial arts. We like to think of it from the sporting sense, you know, finding out who the best fighter is in the world. And sometimes, you know, the the antics and the uh, gimmickry of certain fighters it it you know, puts a bad taste in some people's mouths, but at the same time, you need that. And I think Dana has done a very good job at blurring those lines, making both work with one another, building a brand while also promoting the most pure sport in the world, which is combat. Right. Yeah. I mean, dude, being bros with Dana White is, is like, it's, it, it, I'm a kid in a candy store at every one of these events. Yeah. Like, Really, I it, it it makes me like so grateful to the UFC and to Dana that like a, every time that they let me come to the party, like I I just want to hustle and put together like epic videos to to share my experience to promote the brand. That's what's going on behind me right here. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been taking a, a peek at what they're editing. It's just it's crazy, and it, like I just saw like a a screen grab at Donald Trump a second ago. Like this right. truly was the craziest weekend in UFC history, and you had a front row seat. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what was your favorite part of the weekend? Can you tell us anything that maybe we don't know that that you haven't been able to share yet, or or give us like a sneak peek of what we can expect uh, in your videos? I got a really good one. Um, there were some headlines. A couple of years ago. Okay. Um, it's certainly a lot of headlines around um, Justin Bieber tweeting that he wanted to get in the octagon with um, Tom Cruise. Yeah, I remember. And when, uh, when that happened, um, I jumped in the van and drove to Las Vegas to tell Dana White that I was pretty sure... Tom Cruise was afraid of Justin Bieber, but that I 
was not. <laughs> and I asked Dana to, to, to put together a fight for charity where it was Steve-O versus the Beebs in the oh, octagon. And uh, I was so, I just got such a kick out of it. I told Dana that, um, that it was an exciting fight because I know Justin Bieber can throw a punch and I know I can take a punch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th that, that's a hell of a fight. That's all you need, really. <laughs> yeah, I got a laugh out of Dana on that one. I posted uh, the video to YouTube. It generated a little bit of media to the point where I would have just absolutely assumed that Justin Bieber had heard about my challenge. You would and think. I assumed he had heard about my challenge, that he opted to just pay no attention to it. And uh, and, and then in the, the in Dana White's VIP room, I was able to ask Justin, I said, you had to have heard about this. And Justin Bieber had no idea. You believe that? I genuinely believe it, dude. Really? I, saw, I saw his reaction. Like uh, the way that, that he reacted to me explaining what I had done and trying to set up that fight, like was the authentic surprise and and uh he found it funny uh in a way that if he already knew it, it, it i really believe he genuinely had no idea did it, did it change like the mood at all did he like kind of like was yeah. he laughing but kind of like posturing at all or no not at all man he was so cool dude he, really he, yeah. yeah he was so cool he was like oh man he smiled he thought it was funny that i had done that he says dude you're a legend i'm like you know, so, this is so cool. And then I told him that what I really want to challenge him at is ping pong because he's a prolific ping pong player. And uh, I happen to be the reigning celebrity ch ping pong champion of the world. Dang, I didn't know that. Yeah, that we, we had a little uh, celebrity ping pong tournament going. I crushed MGK. <laughs> wow i mean that that's a nice feather in your cap we we need like buffer to like uh do uh you know and and the champion of the world for you right yeah reigning defending right. undisputed he'd do that he'd do that in a heartbeat for you steve we can make that happen the buff so fun when we were when we were recording uh a ufc watch party and um pontius says bruce buffer is aptly named because he is ripped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's going to love hearing that, too. I, I, I don't know if he's heard that. But like, Bruce, uh, I've produced Bruce's podcast for 13 years. He's wow. the, the sweetest man uh, on the planet. He's like an uncle that every kid wants. And uh, had a podcast for 13 years? We just did episode 500. Wow. Yeah, it's like the best kept secret in the sport. Dude, I, I love that. I mean, I saw that he just did one uh, recently. The guy made some news. Yeah, yeah, he's done a few of them. We just had Megan Olivi on, but uh, you know, it's yeah, we have a lot of people on. We, we'd love to have you on sometime. But yeah, I, I'll give you my cell number, man. After we get done, I'm in. That'll be way. great. That'll be great. We'd love to have you. Um, let, let's let's start to close down a little bit because I'm curious your thoughts and how this spins forward. Uh, you know, Dustin Poirier. We talk about how how good of a human being he is. He's a fantastic fighter. Obviously, going to get uh, a title fight moving forward. But the way this fight ended, the trilogy, it's it's in the books. Is Dustin Poirier a bigger star this week than he was last week? Absolutely. 
Is he a pay-per-view draw? I mean, can the UFC spin him to the heights? Because, like, this isn't a sport where you take the shine off of McGregor and it automatically applies to Dustin. It, it's it's a funny business in that sense. But it, it, for my book, Dustin Poirier should be someone that can pull a million pay-per-view buys moving forward. I mean, I think a million is a pretty high bar. No, I, I just mean in my heart. Like, I'd like to see that happen. Like, he's worth that. He's worth getting the sure. fans' interest. Will it happen? I mean, it, it always yeah. takes two to tango. It's uh, it, it's really something else, man. The um, you know, whatever that it factor is, it's uh, it's it's really a, a crazy thing, man. And um, I would I would love to see Dustin Poirier really reach those heights. Um, I, I absolutely. Um, and uh, of course we know he's gonna he's gonna fight, you know, Charles for the belt. Uh. You got a pick there? You lean one way or the other? I mean, I I got Dustin on that. And and, and not just because I love Dustin Poirier as a bro, mm -hmm. but I, I'm thinking back to uh, Dustin Poirier and Khabib. And there was a moment in that fight where, like, he, he looked like he was close to submitting Khabib. Now, like, whether he was really close or not, like, is up for debate. But I don't think it's up for debate that uh, Dustin had Khabib in more danger of a submission than anybody else has. Right. So that, to me, speaks to Dustin's grappling, being on a, on a level that, that he can handle Charles on the mat. And uh, striking-wise, I mean, who's more durable, who's more dangerous than Dustin Poirier? I mean, I don't, yeah. see, I don't see Charles Oliveira putting Dustin through what Dan Hooker did. I mean, maybe I, maybe he does, but Dustin's battle-tested, and I think his grappling holds up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the if Dustin Poirier were a, a stock, that line is shooting to the moon right now because uh, it seems like all the pieces are, are coming uh, right into alignment, and we'll see what happens uh, once they fight uh, later on. Uh, this year. I know you got things going on. I'm going to let you get out of here, but uh, first, you're doing this comedy tour. You know, there have been a lot of fighters that have uh, broken into stand-up comedy. Uh, Uncle Creepy Ian McCall is doing that now. Brendan Schaub has done it. Uh, you know, even, you know, personalities outside of the direct MMA space, but uh, you know, correlated with it, like guys like Eddie Bravo are doing it. Uh, tell me about your uh, your comedy tour you got going on. Dude, I, I got into comedy. The first time I tried stand-up comedy was 2006. And it was just kind of on a, you know, it was just a, a, a silly, fun, you know, I kind of dared myself to try it. Like, right. just went at a comedy club. And I ended up really kind of diving into it and committing myself to it. And over the course of the last decade, I've gone from really trying to establish myself as a stand-up comedian to making my own thing. And uh, what my own thing is, is... Uh, like a full, fully multimedia approach to it. So at this point, my new tour, my bucket list tour, like I went and did some over the top shit, man. And, uh, and, I, and I filmed all this stuff, which for one reason or another, you just can't show anywhere. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and so I made a comedy act out of it. And after each bit, uh, I'd screen the footage of what that bit was, you know, so. It's That's like awesome. highly, highly X-rated multimedia comedy, and uh, I'm thrilled with it, man. I'm absolutely thrilled with what I'm doing. 
How do people find out uh, where you're going to be? Do you got a website? Uh, can people buy tickets? I got my, uh, actually, this week I've got uh, a bunch more dates going on, uh, you know, going on sale. I'll have 40 tour dates posted to my website probably by the end of the week. Awesome. And, and whatever, like, if you follow me, it's, uh, you know, I'm Steve-O on Instagram, like, uh, on every platform on my website. And uh, things are going well. We just, um, was it yesterday? Two, day, two days ago, we announced... Um, the official name of Jackass 4, which is Jackass Forever. And uh, so now the, the whole machine, the, the promotional machine for uh, Paramount Pictures and, and Jackass is, is revving up. And uh, here we go again, man. Life gets crazy when these movies come out. All right, out here at the UFC 264 press conference, uh, trying to figure out if we got some Chase Super or some TJ DeSantis fans. Uh, it's like 110 degrees out here, so you know what better time to give away some black t-shirts. Go. Alright, so who's your favorite UFC featherweight? There's no question. Chase dude. Nice. Yeah, all the way, baby! Alright, we got a sweet signed Sea Hoop t-shirt. That's why he's my favorite. <laughs> Alright, so quick question. Who's your favorite UFC featherweight? Alright, it's making me move up. That sounds like a TJ DeSantis. Got a thing. TJ DeSantis signed shirt for you. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. You want me to answer? You want me to answer? Go for it. Right, you go first. Uh, I know. All time? We're talking all time? Yeah. Yeah. All time's good. I'm taking the back out the way. Alright, alright. Yeah, Sounds like a couple of TJ DeSantis. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, no, do that to me, bro. Again, a couple, a couple of TJ DeSantis signed t-shirts for you guys. Oh, Honest answers only. Favorite UFC featherweight? Featherweight? Right, okay. Alright. Again, we're getting a lot of TJ DeSantis fans out here. Hey, this. thank you, though. Hey, uh, you know what he did? Alright, so, favorite UFC featherweight. Alright, we can't beat the champ right now. He's probably one of the best to be in that division ever. Alexander Volkanovsky. Best there is. And a lot of TJ DeSantis fans out here today. Alright, so, honest answers again. Uh, who's your favorite UFC featherweight? Calvin Cater. Alright, uh, I don't think we have any more TJ DeSantis shirts to give out. So uh, I guess we'll call that one good. Alright, so, who is your favorite UFC featherweight? Sounds like a Chase Super fan right here. Here you go. Congratulations. <laughs> Alright, so I uh, completely ran out of TJ DeSantis shirts. I uh, got some work to do. And uh, hopefully some Chase Super fans combined. Aw, uh, don't get mad, Chase. It's okay. I mean, everybody's a TJ DeSantis fan. And if they're not, 
They're at least UFC Fight Pass fans in there. Checking out new episodes of UFC Academy Combine Shanghai, episodes one through four, available right now. Knockouts only combos available for you as well. And two new UFC Chronicles, one featuring TJ Dillashaw and one featuring Anderson Silva. All available for you right now on the biggest no-brainer in combat sports, the service you need. It is UFC Fight Pass. Had a good time hanging out with Chase. But unfortunately, uh, I mean, I guess he flooded the market. My autograph is no longer as valuable as it once was. But uh, let's be honest, every single one of those t-shirts got turned into like uh, rags for a car wash or something. Or they thought it was TJ Dillashaw, because my name kind of looks right on paper. But uh, man, what a good time we had out at UFC 264. If you missed it, you messed up. But hopefully we'll get another opportunity to do it again uh, real soon. And uh, just keep it locked. You know, we're always here on Fight Nights. We're going to be back coming up this Saturday night following the UFC Vegas 31 card going down uh, at the Apex. Uh, probably with myself and, and Pearl Gonzalez. Maybe we'll get Ray back. We can bring the team back. Maybe Dean Thomas. We'll figure it out. Dean's killing it on the broadcast. Love seeing him do his thing uh, on this blockbuster UFC event this past weekend. Well, that will do it for us. I want to thank Ray Longo for coming on the air. The great Steve-O. Uh, check out his comedy tour. And, uh, you know, go see Jackass 4 when it hits a, a theater near you. Uh, really passionate about his MMA is Steve-O. And it was uh, great to chat with him for the better part of 30 minutes here on Extra Rounds. For Ray, I am TJ. We'll see you Saturday night immediately following the fights as we look to put in some extra rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.